Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. I made love to an alien near Roswell last night. We strolled along together in the pale moonlight. I had a funny feeling that something wasn't right. I made love to an alien last night. When she gripped my hand, I was feeling mighty fine But her fingers with mine would not intertwine When I bent down and gazed into her eyes They were bigger donuts and blacker than the sky She said, I'm feeling lonely I said, Lord, so am I We'll stroll along together But we won't question why That ground beneath your feet it's flashing red and white And sprouting little mushrooms left and right Then she threw me down and put me on my back Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. This is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. That's one 800 610 Seven zero three five. My email address is exone at exoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.exzoneradiotv.com and www.exzonetv.com. Once again, Exonation, if you can dig into your pocket to help out the people in Haiti, they can use any help that you can uh, you can afford to spare in these very trying times. We're uh, pointing everyone to the Red Cross, the Canadian Red Cross at www.redcross.ca. That's for our Canadian listeners. 
And for our U.S. good friends, www.redcross.org. That's www.redcross.org. My guest this hour is a gentleman who needs very little introduction to anyone who has ever heard of the three, those famous three little alphabets, UFO. My guest this hour is Jim Hickman. He is a ufologist, researcher, author, speaker, and all-around good guy. His website is www.hickmanreport.com. And joining me now is Jim Hickman. And Jim, how are you doing, old friend? Rob, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for the introduction. Well, you know what? Yeah, well, you know, you and I go back years. Uh, let's see, uh, we go back about actually seventeen, eighteen years. And, yeah, I've uh, known you almost as long as I've known my wife. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one, Jim. But thanks for trying to uh, to hook me on that one. Yeah. Um, over over the years, Jim, have you seen a progression in the different types of UFOs that people have been reporting? Like, I, I remember the first type that I became aware of were the cigar-shaped or cylindrical-type UFOs. Oh, there's so many types, and they've been reported to so many places by so many people. You know, uh, I, I'm a researcher for uh, MUFON, mm-hmm. the UFO network, Yeah, and... Um, been with them for years and years and years. And, uh, yeah, uh, UFOs have changed. Uh, I've studied this in my book, uh, 5,000 Years of uh, UFOs. And, uh, yeah, they started out as saucers originally back uh, in cave drawings, back uh, in pre-recorded history. Uh, the date's not really known. Uh, they start out to drawing pictures of what the, they saw in the sky people pointing at, at these uh, saucer-shaped objects. And uh, uh, that's just uh, the beginning. Uh, uh, they had disc-shaped uh, objects back uh, 10,000 uh, B.C. in uh, Nepal. And an uh, example, that's the uh, Lollodoff uh, plate. Mm-hmm. It's a 12,000-year-old stone dish wow. found in, in Nepal. And it has a disc-shaped UFO engraved on it, and a figure that represents, uh, to some people, as a modern gray alien. And this is from 10,000 B.C. And uh, you know, the first actual recorded sighting goes back to the uh, Pharaoh Thutmose III in Egypt in 1,500 B.C. He saw uh, silent uh, circles of fire and flying discs in the sky. And he, he thought it was so important that he had this recorded in stone in his uh, in, in the pyramids. Actually, had some poor stonemason had to go up there and carve the sighting report in stone in 1500 B.C. in e- Egypt. All right, Jim, please stand by. You and I have to take our commercial break. Jim Hickman's our very special guest, and Jim is going to be a regular here on the X-Zone. We're so happy to have Jim back. Uh, his website, Exonation, www.hickmanreport.com, H-I-C-K-M-A-N, report.com. We'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio Network. 
said, I'm feeling lonely. I said, Lord, so am I. We'll stroll along together, but we won't question why. That ground beneath your feet is flashing red and Jim Hickson is my special guest of this final hour of this week's show, www.hickmanreport.com. That's www.h-i-c-k-m-a-n-r-e-p-o-r-t.com. Jim, we're talking about the his- history behind ufology this uh, this hour here on the Exxon and the Hickman Report. Prior to going to the commercial break, we, you were telling us about how Inside of a, of a pyramid, there are even uh, hieroglyphics, I guess we can call them, uh, of UFOs. Yes, exactly. Uh, it goes back before recorded history. People have seen things in the sky that mm-hmm. they can't explain. Uh, I'm sure you know the astronomer uh, Morris Jessup. Uh, he uh, has a quote out saying, Flying saucers are not new. For thousands of years, men have seen these mysterious objects in the sky. And uh, what we need to know, and this comes, uh, this quote comes from Dr. Ed Mitchell, mm-hmm. who I had breakfast with in Roswell uh, back just a couple of years ago. He told me that we all know UFOs are real. We, all we need to ask is, where are they coming from? And that's, that's really what this is all about. There, there is something out there. People are seeing it every day, uh, and the whole idea of this is we're trying to figure out what it is and where, where it's coming from. And, and you know, people that just starting out with UFOs think that it all started in, in Roswell mm-hmm. in 1947, and anything but. You can look back in the, in the Bible, back to 593 B.C., uh, Ezekiel's wheel. He saw a wheel in the sky. Yes. I've sat and read that passage in the Bible, and it just exactly describes a, a modern-day sighting report of a UFO. This man describes uh, the colors of the lights he sees, mm-hmm. what the uh, uh, alien uh, beings, the exact des- description of these folks. And uh, he was even taken aboard this uh, craft and, and was abducted. And uh, th- this is in the Bible. And uh, that's a pretty authoritative uh, uh, document, you know. It sure is, Jim. And uh, even when you look at uh, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments on top of Mount yeah. Sinai, there's another example where it could easily have been a UFO or a craft from another planet or other dimension. And then you've got the pillar of smoke by day, mm-hmm. pillar of fire by night. And there are time and time again biblical references to UFOs. 
Yeah, Moses came down and his hair was gray. He may have been exposed to radiation of some kind. Mm -hmm. He came down off the mountain and his hair had changed color from uh, just this encounter that he had. Uh, but we can go on through history, uh, not not to just stick on the Bible, but there's sightings throughout the Bible, and people should look into that. I, I spoke at the uh, uh, conference, in, uh, once again in Roswell, my favorite place to go talk. It's uh, right close here to home. I'm in Oklahoma. Uh, but uh, I gave a talk down there on a meeting between uh, religious leaders mm -hmm. throughout the nation and UFO leaders. And we all came together to realize that there are other uh, people out there in the universe that, that uh, God's made besides humans that are intelligent. And apparently, they can travel faster than the speed of light and um, can reach Earth, where we can't yet do that. Um, back in, in 1400 A.D., um, I'm a historian. That's what I do for uh, MUFON. Uh, I research uh, back uh, sightings going back uh, over 5,000 years. In 1400 A.D., they painted a wall in a chapel of an object that looks just like a modern-day B-2 bomber. And this is uh, even has a, a person belted into the cockpit. And you can see this drawing online uh, on my website. Uh, there's other drawings uh, from 1486. It shows an object that uh, was uh, uh, aiming a beam down to the ground, and people are looking up at this object. And if you uh, look at my presentation, there's an object that uh, was taken, uh, the picture of the object, and it was taken mm -hmm. by the author while I was on vacation at White Sands, New Mexico, back in 1997 put the two pictures together and they are identical. Whatever this object was in 1486 in London, I saw it in New Mexico in 1997. So there's something out there. Is it possible, yeah. Jim, that there are certain locations on this planet that are more yeah. susceptible to a, um, a porthole that allows mm -hmm. the past the present and the future to interchange. Absolutely, and also there are ley lines that uh, the people have discovered. Uh, some even go through uh, uh, right here in the United States. They uh, go across the country and across the world, and uh, for some reason these lines have major events connect directly to these lines. It's like a connect the dots kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can go on up to a little more modern age. I've been studying the 1890s for some reason the last uh, six to eight months. Uh, I did a show on the History Channel uh, called Cattle Mutilations, and it's about a uh, 1897 cattle mutilation and abduction by a flying object. And uh, this occurred up in Kansas. Well, isn't that and part of the great airship um, sightings that they had? Flap, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what we call it in ufology, the 1897 airship flap. These objects are seen throughout the United States. They made the top of the news. Uh, they were seen uh, um, across the country. Mm -hmm. People uh, uh, back at the time said these large uh, airships 
were described as fast. They flew at night. Uh, they, uh, at the time they were reported, they, they called it a hoax or mass hysteria. And uh, we won't mention what I think it actually was, but uh, I say enough through this. I got newspaper reports, eyewitnesses reporting this from uh, uh, Michigan the Daily uh, Journal from Battle Creek, Michigan, Friday, April 2nd, 1897. Uh, these people uh, residing here claim the airship passed over this place about 10 o'clock last night. A brilliant white light. Oh, somebody wants to talk to me on, on uh, the computer. Amazing. A brilliant white light uh, suddenly appeared, accompanied by a sharp cracking sound. And uh, the uh, phenomenon lasted about 30 seconds. Others claimed they heard voices come from a dark object, which they said floated through the air. Mm. This is 1897. This is before the Wright brothers. Now, the Wright brothers were still uh, building bicycles in that time. So uh, uh, Zeppelins were just now being developed and were still top secret in Germany. So uh, this is something that uh, people were seeing. I can can go on and on about this. Uh, uh, Just uh, headlines from uh, that uh, particular period in March and April. Um, in March 22nd, 1897, uh, Islands excited over an airship. Tuesday, March 30th, 1897, Omaha's airship is seen again. These are just the headlines, yeah. of course. Uh, Sunday, April 4th, 1897, airship now seen at Evanston, Ohio. Monday, April 5th, 1897, airship now seen in Ohio once again. On uh, the 6th, Airship seen in Illinois on the 7th, 100 sea airship near Omaha. Uh, on the 8th, airship seen near Belle Plaine, Nebraska, I believe it is. Uh, Saturday, April 10th, mystery of the sky airship seen by thousands in Chicago, Illinois. It's April 10th, 1897. Uh, there's a picture from a, a drawn of airship. April 14th, 1897, that's available on my website. Uh, This came from the uh, St. Louis, Missouri Post-Dispatch. They had a huge flap of sightings, and uh, this was throughout the nation. Uh, Once again, on April 10th, the same day, egg-shaped when seen in Wisconsin, according to the um, eyewitness report here. Uh, Sunday the uh, 11th, the next day, 1897, California airship scene. On the 11th again, airship here again in Michigan. On the same day was seen in California and Michigan. So it's not the same object flying over. Uh, there's another sighting on the 12th in Michigan. Uh, witness, One witness here describes this as a lower portion of the airship was thin, made of some white material like aluminum. The upper portion was dark, Look like a big cigar. So this comes into your era, Rob, yeah. uh, of a cigar-shaped. Pointed in front and with some kind of uh, arrangement to the rear to which cables were attached. Hmm. The pilot pulled these and steered the course to the south to northeast. While we watched the light on the airship until it went east and then disappeared from view. I think some time will prove that this is no fake. I've lived here too long to try and fool people. 
I have no desire for notoriety, the witness stated. It is an airship, he put that in parentheses, and if you don't believe it, look at the picture and be convinced, he says. I can swear that I saw an airship. So can three other men here whose word stands well in this community. So Rob, something happened in 1897 that was just incredible. Jim, stand by. We've got to take our commercial break uh, with the news. When we come back, let's talk a little more and speculate on what that airship might have been. Jim Hickman's our special guest, www.hickmanreport.com. That's www.h-i-c-k-m-a-n-r-e-p-o-r-t.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio Network. Welcome back. Jim Hickman is our special guest this hour, www.hickmanreport.com. Jim, we're talking about the great airship flap going into the 1800s, close to the uh, beginning of the 1900s. Over the last half hour, you've described a number of sightings from the uh, news articles of the day. Jim, do you have any idea what they may have been seeing now? When it comes to the aspect of them seeing all UFOs, there was one story that you related to us where the witness saw a cable going to the back of this object, and when yeah. and when the pilot pulled, it maneuvered the craft. Now, if this was a UFO, the the thought of a cable makes no sense. Well, I, I don't lay any claim that it was a UFO. It's just an mm-hmm. unidentified flying object. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. They had no idea what they were looking at. It, it, I'm not saying that in any way that it could be alien or uh, unworldly or other dimensional. It's just an unknown. We don't know what it was. I don't think anybody really knew uh, what uh, flew over back in 1897. But can you make a can you make an educated guess, Jim? You've been studying ufology. You're a historian. Well, you get you. Um, I think we should probably go into Aurora. Aurora, Texas, is really the answer. Really? And uh, yeah, 
they had, uh, uh, we were going with our timeline there. We were up to about uh, April 11th. Mm-hmm. On, on the 12th, 1897, they had an airship appear over the town of Aurora, Texas. And that's uh, one of my favorite places. I've been down there three or four times now. Uh, looking at the grave site of the uh, occupant of the craft. Now, once again, I'm not saying that the occupant was an alien, but they described the occupant as uh, something unworldly. Uh, I'll just uh, kind of read from the newspaper clipping of the time. Please do. Uh, Yeah, this happened on April uh, 12, 1897. And uh, I did a, a show on the History Channel on this. Um, the grave sites down in Aurora. Well, it's a little town just outside of Fort Worth, Texas, about uh, 14, 15 miles. And it's uh, going to be gone soon. There were cemeteries there. They had a marker at one time uh, proclaiming that it was the burial ground of a uh, unknown uh, occupant of the craft of Wilbur. Uh, they described a strange craft flew over the town about 6 this morning. That would be April 12, 1897. And uh, early risers of Aurora were astonished of the sudden appearance of an airship, which had been sailing around the country. Uh, it was traveling uh, due north and much nearer than before. Now, if you go to uh, Aurora, it really slopes off from the uh, north to south. And I'm assuming the occupant uh, did a flight into ground here. Uh, it's the way they described this. Uh, once again, I can't say this is alien, but mm-hmm. uh, at the time, this is before the Wright brothers. Right. Back when, when uh, Zeppelin was just invading airships and they didn't have any in the United States and they were not balloons. Um, uh, they described that evidently some part of the machinery of this craft was out of order. And uh, they say they make a speed of only about 12 miles an hour, and it gradually sailed toward the, towards the earth. It sailed over the public square, and then when it reached the north part of town, it collided with the town's uh, windmill. And the debris was uh, scattered uh, over several acres of ground. There's a large explosion. Uh, this wrecked the windmill and uh, the water tank and landed in the town judge's flower garden. That's where the uh, craft ended up. I'll call it a craft. I have no idea what, what it was. Mm-hmm. This is what these folks are describing from 1897. And... Uh, trying to make uh, sense of what they're describing you know, uh, over 100 years in the future from when it happened. It's, it's hard trying to understand what these people saw and try to eliminate all the usual things that it could be. And then we're really only left with the more unusual. But once again, the pilot of the ship was supposed to have been the only one aboard. His remains were reported as being badly disfigured enough that the uh, he'd been pictured but there was enough for them to show that this was not an inhabitant of this world now people said this report is a hoax and I thought well okay maybe it was a hoax to make the town go bigger and, mm-hmm. and 
do something like uh, Roswell, a uh, publicity stunt. Well, it didn't work at Aurora because <laughs> the town of Faithing is shrunk. The poor town is, uh, when I first was down there, there may have been 10 people there. But I noticed that uh, as I went through town and went to the south end of town, all of a sudden it started looking more and more like a military base. Couldn't find out the United States Air Force had built a military base in Aurora, and really hadn't really told anybody about it. And it uh, was a uh, top secret base uh, used all the way through the 50s, and really, and then uh, decommissioned in the uh, 70s. Uh, anyway, to go back and talk a little bit more about this, mm-hmm. uh, a Mr. T. J. Weems of the United States Army. Signal Corps. He was the uh, service officer who arrived to the place, and he uh, was an expert in astronomy. He gives his opinion that the pilot was a native of the planet Mars. Papers found on his person and uh, were written in some unknown hieroglyphic, and according to him, they could not be deciphered. But but Jim, Uh, I mean. Well, going Go ahead, back, Rob. going going back into history, it was on November the twenty first, seventeen eighty three, in Paris, France, that the first manned flight was made in a hot air balloon. So yeah. why couldn't why couldn't the and the Chinese go back further than that in history with uh, oh, yeah. with balloons? So why couldn't these hieroglyphics? Well, here we go again with hieroglyphics because this is what people in Roswell claim was on a piece of the uh, the the uh, craft unknown unknown uh, symbols that resembled hieroglyphics so what was what would happen if like that we we know for a fact has happened in recent time with the fugos where the where the japanese have discovered that the uh, the air currents the uh, the jet stream goes across the pacific and bang you've got a japanese balloonist who is over the uh, over the United States. Yeah, they used that during World War Two. Right. Excuse me, my, my disease is kicking a little bit. It's, it's a rough day. I'm sorry. It's okay. But uh, yeah, they. Uh, it could have been some kind of top secret aircraft that they were working on back in the 1890s that they didn't tell us about. It could have been something that a individual may have been. Inventing and out to testing it at night. Because come by the year eighteen eighteen, by the year eighteen eighteen, Jim, the yeah. uh, the French had developed a, a number of different types of airships. So if you've got all these sightings taking place in the western part of the United States, here you've got people in the eastern. Now this is just a theory. People in the east have these uh, air shows going on. Air balloons decide to travel further out west. The people out west mm-hmm. are unaware that these airships actually do exist. They see mm-hmm. something in the sky well, they can't explain. Yeah, it's, there's things flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had reports from Bermuda back in the 1880s, 1885, of triangular-shaped objects, not circular-shaped, not uh, balloon-shaped. Mm-hmm. These are described as triangular shaped. Wow. And uh, was seen by uh, a general in the United States Army. And he thought that he was uh, a, 
he thought that it might have been a, a balloon from France or England. But then he realized that the, the balloons that they had were balloon-shaped, and that what he saw was a squared-off triangle. So I, I think we're dealing with a lot of known objects, probably 90 to 95% of everything that happened in the 1890s was known objects, just like we're dealing with today with modern UFOs. Probably 90 to 95, 98% of them are going to be something that's known. If folks step outside tonight and look to the east, you're going to see something pretty remarkable. You see a bright red object in the sky that you probably haven't ever noticed. But it, I'll tell you, it's going to be the planet Mars. Uh, but uh, to a lot of people, they're going to look at that and say, "I gosh, I don't know what that is. And they're going to report it as uh, something unknown. Mm -hmm. It's going to move across the sky, you know, uh, and it's, going to be the brightest object in the night sky tonight. So once again, people can be confused. It's easy to get confused. And it's where the investigator comes in, where you have to eliminate all these objects. If you look at, like, uh, old show that I helped uh, produce ghost hunters, they go in and they try to debunk everything that's possible, what it could be, what it, what, what could it possibly be that uh, possible here on Earth. What part of this is unnatural and un, uh, unknown to our mm -hmm. science, put it that way. Uh, what part of that is in this sighting is uh, truly unknown? And, and that's what we're dealing with, trying to find the true unknown. All right. Now, y you said that when you were talking about Aurora, yeah. that it, that it, you 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 basically said a publicity stunt like mm -hmm. Roswell. Well, you know what I, I think about it, Roswell. You, I think you and know, I have pretty much the same opinion. Mm -hmm. They have uh, really taken that sighting, which is a, a, a good sighting, I think, in a lot of ways, and really blown it into a, a, a full time job for a lot of folks. I, I, I've got to admit that they're they're trying uh, their hardest to get uh, people to come into the museum and tell their you know whether they're spending their money, and it's it's a good thing uh, to their town. It's a good thing, and people can learn about UFOs at the UFO museum. I've spoken there myself and had a live audience there, and spoken to people and the wonderful folks there. And I'm, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying that they they use what's happened in their past to make m money in, in the modern time. And uh, other people are doing that, too. Aurora's, uh Texas, mm -hmm. has set up a UFO stand down there. And right on Highway 114, you go through town, and you can, there's a, they got a UFO uh, occupant out front. Sitting uh, out there in front of her place, Unreal. so uh, everybody's going to try and make something out of what they see and can't. They don't understand. Tell me, it's Jim. Human nature. Tell me, Jim. In, in your expert opinion, when it comes to UFOs, why is the myth of Roswell still alive? Sixty years plus, no further evidence. Bury it. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's been looked at by so many experts and been discussed so many different ways. 
But it's really to a point where it should probably be put to rest. Uh, I mean, something happened. Mm -hmm. Too many people saw, too many people signed uh, depositions saying they saw this uh, object. Um, something happened. Look, that's a given. I think it's time to move on. We don't know. I don't think we're ever going to find out. They're not going to release whatever records mm -hmm. uh, there are on the subject. So it's time to move on. There are sightings happening today that need to be investigated. Look at the Stephenville, Texas case. Uh, nobody's even uh, probably even heard of that case, and yet it's uh, one of the biggest sighting cases we've had in years, uh, going back to 97 before uh, the Phoenix Lights. And, um, you know, it's a shame people make money off the UFO business. Uh, I, I'm, I feel bad myself that I'm in, in, in it myself because I have books. Uh, I make uh, a percentage off of every book I sell. But hopefully I make uh, my books information. They're not in the uh, entertainment section. They're in, uh, in reference sections of libraries. Um, I, I've given my book out throughout to, uh, to libraries throughout Oklahoma mm -hmm. here to have them on their bookshelf as reference works. Jim, stand but, by. You and I have to take our final commercial break. Always great talking to our guest to this hour, Jim Hickman. www.hickmanreport.com That's www.hickmanreport.com Dot com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. And Jim and I will be back as we wrap up for this week in a couple of minutes as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the all-new X-Zone Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of uh, going past uh, the uh, this last week and thanking all our guests. Start off the week with Jeff Knott, and uh, throughout the week we uh, spoke with Joel Garrow. We spoke with Rob Catlin, Philip Smith, Anthony Sylvia, Craig Grothy, Dr. Barry Pollock, Marilyn Zerby, Patrick Cook was my first guest uh, this evening, Bruce Campbell Adamson, our second guest, third guest, 
Joseph P. Farrell, and my guest this hour is my good friend Jim Hickman. And Jim's website is filled with information, audio and video. Visit it, but be prepared to spend some time there. It's not one of these sites where you just go, okay, yeah, uh uh-huh, and clip. You're going to be interested, you're going to be intrigued, and you're going to want to spend some time there. The website is www.hickmanreport.com. That's www.hickman, H-I-C-K-M-A-N, Report. Jim, we talked about airships uh, very briefly, and I want to thank you so much for doing the history of UFOs with us tonight, because not very many people actually take the time to look back in time like you do as a historian. But when was the first cattle mutilation case, and is there a a, uh, connection between the UFO flap in the 1800s and the first cattle mutilation case? Yes, there is, Rob. I'm not sure if I can get into it in the time we have, but... Uh, we'll use it as a teaser for the next time you're on with us. Yeah, that's going to take a whole hour. It's from 1897, mm. and uh, we recreated it uh, on the uh, In Search of uh, TV show uh, with uh, Leonard Nimoy. Right. And you can watch that uh, on my website. I have that available uh, online. And uh, that gives you a whole idea of, of what happened back then. And uh, we've also got the uh, UFO Files uh, Cal Mutilation episode up on the, uh, the website. Got a lot of things changed in the last couple of weeks, and a lot more uh, audio and video files are ready uh, to get more information. Jim, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I know that you just got in from your day job. Yeah, uh, and you know you you've been working hard. You're still recovering from uh, your 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 illness and your injury. So I want to thank you, buddy, for joining us tonight. It's always a great pleasure talking to you, Jim. And quickly plug your website. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully I've got a, a good website here. If you uh, want information on UFOs, all that, it's right there. There are links to MUFON, which is a uh, probably the finest UFO group out there in the world. Uh, my website is. Uh, www.hickmanreport.com and uh, you can also go to moveon.com and get your information on UFOs. All right, Jim. Thanks very much, pal. Nice talking to you. Take care of yourself. Regards to the family. And I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks uh, again here in the Hickman Report on the X-Zone. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. I want to take this opportunity of thanking each and every one of you for allowing us to be part of your day or night, no matter where you are in this great big world of ours also like to thank my wife, who is my senior producer, the lovely Laura Rogers. We'll be back Monday night at 10 o'clock as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. So until Monday night, have a super safe weekend, take care of each other, and always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now. I know.